0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 12 of the Stolen Signs podcast. I'm Kendall Gilmett here with Harry Pavlidis. Hi, good Harry. Evening. Ooh, good, good evening. Old. It is. It's been a while since we talked. This is true. Last did we? I'm trying to remember the last time we talked. The World Series hadn't even started yet. Is that right? Because it was like... Uh, I
1: think the last recording was during the, the, a- the last game of the ALCS. Yeah. So, or had it already been the World Series. I don't, I'm not sure. I, I think it
0: was the ALCS because I made a joke about Jay Bruce and he doesn't play for a World Series team. Um, this is true. Anyway, there was a World Series since we last talked. And, there was. <laughs> and the Houston Astros won that World Series. So congratulations to the Houston Astros their front office coaches, players fans, all that stuff. Um, we have some baseball prospectus folks in that group for sure um, so congratulations to um, I think I know of three so Kevin Goldstein Mike Fast and Colin Wires so congratulations to you guys Are there others?
1: There might be but not that I can think of.
0: Right on So uh, exciting for the Astros, and um, less exciting. I don't know. I guess it would probably still be exciting for the Dodgers who lost, but um, so one question: This was billed as the Analytics World Series. Oh yes. How did you feel about that?
1: That was annoying. I mean, I don't like that narrative. Um, I mean, because what, what, what was last year's team? I mean, last year you had two teams that are. Right, heavily the same, yeah. Cleveland, you know, and, you know, the Yankees uh, probably have the largest analytics department, unless the Dodgers have grown to exceed them. It's every team, every team is using analytics extensively. And you you might be able to argue that these are two of the teams that are maybe doing it the most, or maybe doing it to, in the top, you know, five, something, I I guess. But it's... There was some strange things around that where at one point there was this uh, Dave Roberts managed by the front office dictates and, you know, and A.J. Hinch managed by feel. And that led to an Astros victory. And that was such a laughable thing. And was based on Rich Hill saying, oh, they told me they're only going to take, you know, let me face the order twice because it's an analytics thing. It's like, look, that's not just an analytics thing. Everybody's known. Right. That's an old, you know, that's not, I mean, it's just that. For stubborn people, which pitchers should be stubborn, you know, in a way um, Not convince them That they should be taken out Like you can't convince me that I can't do it. It's like well here look, you know, it's like in, in cold black and white numbers Like you just you just don't and so I think that's kind of what happens with guys like Rich Hill Right. and you know and I think that and so this quote that he gave to the media that you know, it was the analytics guys, you know. And so it was like, oh so Roberts was doing this, but Hinch like this left Verlander in, or I forget exactly what it was, but there was something where he left a guy in and you know, it's like and it worked. And uh it was this notion that Hinch was doing it on feel and that that was just kinda like yeah, No, I, I mean the Astros are are, you know he probably had, you know, up to his eyeballs and information on how he made that decision.
0: Yeah, I think and, one thing was like um the bullpen management seemed like that was, I mean, that bullpen was a narrative throughout the whole playoffs, but um, specifically in the World Series, the bullpen management, I think a lot of people felt like Hinch was, like you say, like playing or, you know, like putting guys in based on feel or based on like his perception of how they would perform, whereas Roberts was kind of going by the more, you know, analytic, the the book um, on you know bringing this guy in Uh, or what have you there's no
1: basis for that just pure speculation and narrative stitching
0: right and and it, (laughs) it was just interesting because it's like well he's i mean we talk about this a lot you know it's all information and so yes some of it is uh you know is based on analytics and some of it's also based on you know, you talk to guys before the game and the manager, he better know what's going on and he better know what, you know, who's looking good and mm-hmm. who, trust his pitching coach and his bullpen coach and all this stuff. He, he's got to factor all of that in. And, and if you if you just manage, um, you know, by the analytics, so to say, that's I mean, you're going to get
1: I mean, the analytics crushed. are never are never so cut and dry. Right? Yeah. Right. So, right there's always like this the manager is making a decision based on all the information he has available and maybe managers these days as jared diamond tweeted today that are you know much more compliant about executing a front office's plan you know there's somebody like to kind of set you know to kind of go on a tangent for a second there was this whole why is dusty baker starting this pitcher not that pitcher you know there's Dusty. I'm like, you think, what? What is this notion that the, the playoff started? The playoff rotation is dictated by the manager right. <laughs> sitting with a pencil in his office? Like, no, it's done as a collaboration between a whole bunch of stakeholders, including the manager and the pitching coach, and they decide together. And you know, it's, it's going to the dynamics will vary by 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 a uh, organization, but this notion that it's the manager sets the rotation and stuff like that's like no, you know, they they really don't you know, within the game, they're making more decisions, you know, it's like that that they're running in the game. Yep. But a lot of what they're running in the game is based and informed on what they've been kind of directed to do. And perhaps that's true to an extent, but I don't think you're just going to have these guys who manage to a program they haven't bought into.
0: Right. I mean, and that's, that's why front offices bring in managers or they want to go with their guy or what have you. Like, they want somebody that they can work with. And so there's a good working relationship. And the days of um, the manager kind of being this authoritarian, if they ever existed, are, you know, 30 years ago. You know, that's, that feels like, you know, like Earl Weaver. And I don't know the dynamics of the front office back then, but like, I would have, you no, know, I don't know. Maybe well, the guys you-
1: that are like, re- like considered, who are probably considered authoritarian. Right. In current standards would be like Tony La Russa uh, But that he would also he was like the first manager to have a computer you know, right. one of the first, you know, yep. so it's like it's like it's you can be totally old-school salty and and have an iPad with information and meet with the analytics staff and, and have a general manager who's very focused on those things and You still have to be You're still playing you're still running a baseball game on the field yeah, and that and that you know and that requires situational awareness and, and knowing what's going on. So, of of course, you want you know the the most important thing manager does is navigate a set of personalities, a twenty five or, or forty man, if you want to consider how broad it might be, possibly be, you know, managing all those people as you know as people, like getting them through the travel and the year and their personal lives and and the rigors of baseball. Right, that's probably the number one thing they do. And then you then you have to have then they also have to be really good at managing their coaching staff and, and all those people
0: one of and, my favorite things about um, playoff baseball hmm. is the coach hug after yes. they clinch yes. way more yeah. than way more than like the dog pile celebration yeah. of the players yeah. is the coach hug because it's like I don't know I, to me like that's that's something that I can connect with a lot more than like a like an uber awesome athlete is Mm -hmm. like the coaches who have prepared and planned and managed and worked their asses off and stayed up late at night. Like just being like, how are we going to do this? How are we going to get through this road trip? Or like all of those things.
1: And some of these guys are 60 years old, right? Like busting their humps
0: and to see the joy on their faces Mm -hmm. is like, you see like those salty old school guys get pretty, pretty pumped and pretty excited. And that, is yeah. definitely one of my favorite things because it's
1: so much work oh my gosh so much so much goes into it and the, you know yeah and i guess information and analytics and whatnot has a bigger part of it perhaps than it has before but we you know yeah, if this year's was the analytics world series it was just it was the most analytically oriented world series since the last one right which exactly. was the most analytically oriented world series since the last one which was the most analytic you know it's just uh, you know it's just it's all just part of this evolution of the game.
0: Yep. So that is the World Series. So we wrapped up the 2017 baseball season. And now we've kind of come upon the awards season where we kind of look back at our 2017 players and teams and Coaches and and all of that, and, and so and, and getting
1: fights with beat writers yeah. on the internet. I, mean, that's what yeah. I already I see people like yelling like, "How oh, could you vote this way?" I'm like, "Oh, geez." Awards Twitter is in full oh, effect. Oh yeah, so, I, it's no coincidence that I, I I closed Twitter.
0: Right. So, but <laughs> just... we do have so. Let's see what have, what's been announced so far. It's um, like, manager, manager of the, the year, theater. which no surprises there. It was. We'll Oh, uh, it was, uh, Tori, Tori, no, it was Lavello. Lavello Tori Lavello and, um,
1: <laughs> no, of course. I said it. I was right. Maltor. Oh, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul At least or... for me. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so, Malter. so these guys
1: are both guaranteed to be fired. In right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that... Okay, then we had the rookie of the year. Right,
0: which, which... was absolutely uh, slam dunk both sides of that. Yeah, um, with Judge and Bellinger. And then... although
1: i thought uh you know there was there was a funny moment where the internet bbwa vote came out and for some reason a bunch of people thought that was the, the proper like you know not the shadow group right but they were like mad about the voting i'm like y'all you just don't get mad about the side votes yeah don't get mad about it yeah <laughs> don't get mad about the made vote but don't get mad about the side votes either yeah, yeah so that was the rookies of the year right so dodgers you know dodgers you know in the world series dodgers winning rookie of the year makes me feel young again that's how things used to be yeah dodgers all used to, oh and maybe they're doing that again with the rookies but yeah so that was that was pretty obvious right although i right. guess some people said uh oh no it was pretty obvious i don't think there was ever any doubt about i don't
0: those. yeah i think that was clear cut from the jump mm-hmm. um and I don't
1: think there was anything else until today.
0: Yeah, and then today they announced the Cy Young awards. So the American League Cy Young award, Corey Kluber, and the second. National sec, second is second one, right? Mm-hmm. And then yes. Corey Max, and then yeah, the National League Maxers are second in a row, third, uh, third overall. overall.
1: Third yeah. overall. He had one with Detroit, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, Max has three. That's a lot. Kluber has two. I think it was they made the, you know, so the voting was was pretty pretty you know sane in the American League it was pretty much ev- almost everybody except for two votes which flip This had a Kluber sale,
2: mm-hmm. and all
1: year it was like sale or Kluber sale or Kluber sale. Kind of cooled down at the end, right? And even by our numbers, but you know what picture warp. It we agree that sale eventually did cool down enough. Right to the point where Kluber actually did catch him and lead all pitchers in baseball, Sale being second uh, in value.
0: Yes, and then Scherzer was third. Yeah. Um, in yeah. pitcher warp. And so
1: they got the right winners. Yep. And overall, the American League ballot was pretty, almost it really followed what we had, was, with mild exception. Yes. It, you know, Kluber, Sale, Severino. And then fourth was Carrasco, yep. who we actually would have just using, simply just using sorting warp, <laughs> uh, we would have had him sixth. Uh, we then Verlander, who's the guy we actually had fourth, finished fifth in the voting. Archer, who we had as the fifth man, did not get any votes, but I think he had an ERA that was on the higher side so that we can see where voters would stay away. Right. Keuchel didn't get any votes. Cause he missed a lot of time, but he pitched really well. And the one I saw people mad about was like was uh, Stroman not getting many votes.
0: Yeah, just two or two fifth place votes. It looks like. Yeah,
1: uh, something like that. Yeah, yeah. and Ern Ir- Santana had a similar number of votes. I saw people, someone, you know, one, one of my people I like on Twitter, writes about the Blue Jays, was was very, seemed very upset about it. I was like, oh, you know, sure, I can see that, but I, I, I mean. They kind of got it right. The only one that, as always, the thing that sticks in my craw is the uh, relief pitchers.
0: Yeah, like what What do you think a, a relief pitcher would have to do like to legitimately be?
1: Uh, pitch 130 to 160 innings at like some ridiculous, uh, you know. There's a big value to me in pitching 200 And If anything, the fact that fewer and fewer guys even qualify at 162 for the ERA title. Right. This year I think was the lowest ever. Um, not many guys qualified, you know, and I think the fact that there are guys who throw 200 innings and do it well, I I think that makes you a lot more valuable than a relief pitcher. And I've, you know, there's different ways to calculate value, though. I know people say with relievers, you may want to look at the win probability. And yes, Kimbrell and Kenley Jansen, who was the reliever getting the most votes in the, or the only reliever getting votes in the national league, Yes, they both led their leagues in WPA, according to Um, But I'm not sure how important that really is in evaluating how good a pitcher season was. Because if you're taking that into account, Ryan Turber would be fifth in the AL. Thanks. And I'm not sure that's... A, I'm not sure people if people are going to say well kimball deserves it because you know the win probability the leverage in situations so it's like well then if that's really so important as to outweigh a whole ton of starting pitchers like kimball was like 50th and jansen like top 70 in, in win in wins above replacement yeah. for us which is a lot i mean you know but there are other relievers around that area but you know you look at win probability you know it's interesting, the American League. This is from Fangraphs. It's Kimbrel, Kluber, Andrew Miller, Sale, Ryan Turpera, Alex Claudio. I mean, it's like, okay, yeah, sure, I, I see it. Okay, I, I hear you. But you're also – the fact that a guy like – you know, Joe Smith is right next to Irvin Santana. It's like, okay, so we're not saying that Joe Smith deserves to get a, a, fit, a down ballot vote but while well, Irving Santana does, Irvin Santana. Then, okay, why does Kimbrell get a, you know... Our, our, our colleague Dave Brown, actually the only baseball prospectus person who the vote put Kimbrel third, which was kind of, you know, like, okay, maybe he's voting WPA. I don't know. I have to ask him. But uh, it's like, that's like the one guy who I would think doesn't fit on the ballot. It's the one guy. It's like the one guy who got votes... That yeah, I don't think should have gotten them yeah. because there's only you only get to put a small number of guys down. And there's I have a real hard time believing no matter how great a closer you are, that you're more valuable than almost every single starting pitcher.
0: Right. You're one of the five most valuable pitchers in your league. Like those as guys a are all these
1: through one hundred, like 80 to 210 yeah. innings of good baseball you shouldn't be getting votes over them. I you know, I can understand maybe some you maybe you're more important than the team's number 2 pitcher or maybe we can have that argument, but I, I have a very difficult time saying that there's only a handful of guys who are really freaking awesome in a given year, maybe 10, usually just 3. um and to say uh, to say a relief pitcher who works 60 innings is one of those is I think it's dubious.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean I I tend to agree, and I mean I feel like if if there's a performance that's just bananas like you know like no runs allowed, like you know what, you know what I mean like yeah, I know. Dramatic, something if, it, like kind then,
1: of, I mean if a guy's that good and can throw that many innings that well, then why isn't he a starter like yeah, if Kimbrel yeah. was good enough to be a starter or had the stamina to be a starter to work those innings, he freaking would, yep. He's great. He's nasty. You don't want to see him in the ninth inning, but he's only going to be able to work certain you know, amount of opportunities. And just to see him placing up in the voting ahead of like, you know, Archer and Keichel. Come on. You can't tell me that those guys weren't more deserving of, of a Cy Young vote than Kimbrell. They just I'm, I'm like, I'm sorry. Those guys were much more valuable pitchers. Yeah. And there's many, many others. Right. You know, but other than that. Uh, and understandable stuff like Heichel didn't throw that many innings and Archer's ERA was high. I think it was over four. So he, his DRA is like over a whole run lower, you know? So he really warp is was going to, so I'm not too surprised that he didn't get votes. Um, other than that, I thought the American league was kind of fine. You know, the one guy who gets screwed by this whole process was Yu Darvish who we had in the top 10. Yeah. No votes cause in he's, either. Way, cause he yeah. Switch
0: leagues. Yep. Poor guy. Poor you, Darvish. We'll be but saying, yeah, Scherzer, we'll be saying are, that I'll, until I'll, he signs yeah. his next contract, right?
1: Yeah, no, we're not going to be saying that the next, next time we talk about Darvish. We probably won't be talking using the word poor nope. in any way. Uh, but meanwhile, over in the National League, I think Kershaw got too many votes. This was not Kershaw's best season, probably his worst season uh, since he was a rookie. You know, So he yeah. still ended up in second place, which I felt was uh you know understandable yeah i mean the he's guy, still
0: clayton kershaw but i agree like still clayton
1: kershaw, yeah, absolutely fantastic but i think a lot of it was on reputation and and dodger stadium stat lines yeah i'm um, not
0: not surprised that he got um a third and a fourth place vote and like i think that i agree that's more the range where he was in and i felt like strasburg definitely had a claim to that number two spot
1: I, you know the guy who got there's two guys who strike me as being left out and and one guy he did get some votes one didn't at all but jacob de had a fantastic pitching season we actually have him as fourth in baseball second in yeah. i had a, a granky so if you're just used to war, WAR rankings it'd be scherzer de Gram granky and Aaron noah who got not a single vote you know so we, we we thought he had a you know so he this is a guy who we think was worth five and a half wins and, they all, you know, so the next highest non-vote getter was Archer at 5.1. And I, I don't see why Nolan didn't get any votes, didn't he? I think he had sexy stats. I don't know. But then Strasburg, Gio Gonzalez, I think the voters were right about a lot of these guys. But Samarja got no votes, uh, you know.
0: I wonder if, like, for some of those got... team performance, even though yeah. that's, like, a pretty lame um, excuse. But, like, because you think of
1: sure. – Because guys like Wood – and Ray, yeah, based on like not a lot of work and a good ERA, and Wood was actually pretty bad for last few months of the season. They got votes at yep. the end, back of the ballot. Yep. Yeah,
0: I thought. Um, I thought that was interesting. I thought that. I, I Yeah, I agree though. Like, I would. But when I was going like...
1: through the list and like just taking note of the guys who you know didn't get votes, I'm like this is a lot in the National League. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is. I'm like, at one point, I was like, I'm going to stop writing these down. I mean, you know, it was just, but I, I was a good boy and I, I finished my half ass research. Perfect. Um, but yeah, but it's like, you know, th- this was kind of a weird voting in the National League. And I think that basically voters were voting on ERA yeah. still and nothing much else. I guess wins don't matter, but I wonder how well ERA 1 would have predicted this with a little bit of innings thrown in. Right. Well, I, I don't look, think we're there yet in terms of <laughs> how voters are analyzing the the pitching, data. Well, pitching analysis is hard yeah we'll talk we'll talk about that in a few minutes but. yeah
0: so i look back um i looked at the results this year based on um d r a and warp and then last year and the year before so three years um how did the b b w a Line up with kind of warp and DRA, and uh-huh. so this year the AL uh, Kluber was first in both warp uh-huh. and DRA in the whole. This is the whole league. Um, these rankings are, and then in the National League, Scherzer was second in DRA and third in warp. So I would say that the BWA and BP's pitching metrics. Right in line. Agreed. Yep. Yeah. And then last year was a little bit funky um, with Porcello winning <laughs> in the AL. He was 8th um, in DRA with 3.09 and then 6th in Warp with 5.81. That's still really good. Yeah, it's still really good. Um, I think I didn't
1: was, like... his was his ERA really low or was it though he had a lot of wins or something? Yeah. Was he the only 24-game winner in the last like decade or so? Yeah, then? I
0: think that that probably was a big part of it. I think looking at uh, Warp and DRA, um, Verlander quote-unquote should have won based on that. Uh, and then in the National League last year, Scherzer um, was fourth in DRA in the league with 2.75 and third in um, Warp and... Oh, wasn't
1: but this was some of these years have been toss ups though. Was it close though at the top. Cause that's kind of the thing I remember like I one think year. It, yeah, it was, I think it was. It was a Kershaw Granky a year where it was like pick one. That was twenty fifteen, yeah. 2015, and but yeah. last year
0: it was um Jose Fernandez was mm-hmm. um, phenomenal. He may have been yeah.
1: the best pitcher that yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, so um that was kind of there. And then in two thousand fifteen, Dallas Keuchel, DRA which was third in the major leagues and 7.87 which is also third in the major leagues Um, so he that was decent and then uh, Arrieta um, was first in DRA 2.07 and second in Warp with 8.20 and Kershaw was the one um, who was second in DRA and first in Warp
1: And then Granky was third and third or something.
0: Uh, Fourth, I think, behind Keichel. But, yeah, so everybody, that one was super bunched up, like you were saying. So I think that that's a a pretty cool look. Um, I I didn't, it was only half-assed, so I didn't go back further than 2015. But um, it'd be interesting to look at kind of the, um, I think I'm using the stats term right here, correlation um, between... Um, votes and votes their and rank um, in DRA and/or Warp. So we should,
1: we should dispatch someone to scrape the uh, voting data if we don't already have it, and do it.
0: Yeah, I think that would be an, an interesting thing to just see how um, how much fidelity we can have with the voters, and uh, if that would be something that might be thought of as predictive or help us understand it a little bit better. But uh it's just awards voting, so it's it doesn't really mean <laughs> too too it's much unless you good, have a bonus yeah. tied to it, I guess.
1: It's kinda hard not to talk about it though. Yeah. It's fun. Especially with pitchers. That's you know, Cy Young I'm all I am gonna have it I probably have an opinion on the Cy Young and I don't know, we'll see if I even have an opinion on the MVP vote when that comes out. Yep. I might not.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure.
1: Unless it's yeah, you know, I reserve the right to be uh, offended by the pick.
0: Of course, of course. Uh, yes. Yeah, so we um, are going to talk a little bit about um,
1: old news updates. Old
0: news, kind of. Oh, things in the news. Revi- yeah. Revisiting some some things that we've talked about before. Um, so. One other bit of pretty big news that people are pretty excited about is Shohei Otani was posted um, Uh end of last week, I think. And uh, so if I recall correctly, it's 30 days. That kind of window is open for 30 days. And then the... um, fighters will have to make a decision is that
1: right do you recall that uh, something yeah, i think that's sure. what it is. i think sure. it's
0: 30 days which is interesting because yeah, it lines up pretty well with the winter meetings so go figure yeah. that, that, there might be a reveal there of some sort uh so that's a pretty big deal there's a lot of chatter about all everybody thinking that otani is a great fit for their team um, which yeah, should,
1: of course he is. Ep- episode seven of our show, <laughs> yes, um, is the is the one about Otani.
0: Otani and two way players,
1: yeah. So go back. Have- Min, yeah, it's one Sugman Kim joined us from the side of a street, it sounded like, and <laughs> in, uh, in Korea, and talked to us about Otani at last minute, which was nice. So yeah, that's definitely uh, going to be a big deal. I think yeah. it's gonna it's gonna be there's some limitations on what the teams can pay him and there's all sorts of strange rules and complexities, but I think that's gonna be the like the major signing. I mean, I know Darvish is out there and there's you know other there's a lot of other big free agents, but it's hard not to you know have Otani be the uh, or Utani be the. Uh, a big prize
0: yeah i mean if, if there's a 23 a year old who can step into your major league rotation at the top of it and um also mm-hmm. give you some quality at bats um <laughs> kind of crazy yeah like what would what would he fetch on the uh, as a free agent right now like he would be bonkers like it
1: would be yeah, but it kind of works. He's young. He's coming here. You know, so I don't know. Maybe the fact that he's going to be underpaid for a couple of years is maybe not being underpaid. I don't know. The whole thing is just so weird. Yeah. If if anything, always feel like the players should probably be getting as much money as they possibly can demand for their services because, you know, that's where it should go. Right. Uh, so he may be kind of getting hosed by the system that baseball has in place, but... He clearly wants to be here at this age playing, right? So, and
0: yeah, hopefully better. he'll get his when you know as he yeah. Comes I mean, over that's and the performs. thing. That's
1: right. If you do, if you put, if you put, if you have, if you bet on yourself type of thing, yep. You know, he might he might be fine. I and mean, just like we were talking about with Darvish before, we're not going to be talking about it. being poor. You know, it's like he'll yeah. be fine. Yeah, fine. If he's if he's who he is, then he'll be okay. Right hope he doesn't get hurt or anything terrible like that yeah that's that's the thing yep so
0: and then um also circling back to some stuff that we've talked about uh around the juiced ball we talked this is back to
1: episode three well i don't know if we talked about the juiced ball with Rob. oh yeah no know. you're right
0: he's written extensively about it but we talked I don't know about if we ever hands. really
1: talked about it yeah I don't know. I don't remember if we, if we ever got deep, but the whole thing with, you know, all of this research that's out there about is the ball juice and yep. juicing is the, the wrong word. And I think that's what the league is taking exception to. It's like there's no conspiracy, but the ball is definitely, you know, different flying further. I mean, this just all sorts of studies have been done. They've gotten when gotten actually got baseballs. You know, we look at the data and seeing how they're responding to the air. It's different. So, I mean, it's the research is out there. That indicates that something has changed in the ball And the league has published things It's like, hey, no, no, it's all within the manufacturing standards To which the response is that that's a big change Or something like, you know, something ridiculous I forget now, but it's not 15 feet But like 30, it's like a big difference Like within, you know, how much a fly ball can go Based on one end to the other end of the allowable standards In the, you know, production of baseballs So you could say they're all within manufacturing standards It doesn't mean I mean, really, the, 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 the feeling you know that I've expressed and also heard from people in baseball themselves is that it's by design. So you can dial it up and dial it down without saying we changed it. So at some point this year, Manfred said they were going to look into tightening those standards. Um, now, I guess, during the GM meetings, teams were expressing a desire to have further study that they're not completely satisfied with the answers. And they're going to. So apparently, there's going to be additional information gathered, released, something on the ball. And someone said it's nothing, not much has changed. And I'm like, well, that's enough. Not much is a lot. <laughs> right. So, yeah.
0: Is it, yeah. Is it a Super Bowl now? No. But is it. I think it'd be
1: important to know how, why it changed. At least the league should know what happened in the manufacturing process. Meaning. Um, Meaning uh, why? It, like, something changed. Like the yarn it? chain. Yeah, well, maybe, you know, what changed? Yeah. Like, did like, they get some new machines in the, in the, in the plant? Did they, right. materials changed? Right. You know, did, they, did they change a the supplier for like one? It's something in the supply chain has been altered. I mean, that's, I, there's no need for a conspiracy. Um, just ball started getting, you know, jumpier to end of 2015. So, which also benefits the guys who decided to start trying to lift the ball. It's like, well, yeah, if the, not, if the ball is going to fly more, it's going to benefit to take the risk and lift it more. While those warning track fly outs that you were trying to avoid for so many years are actually turning to home runs. So it's, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I think there's going to be more news, and I think they'll probably have to say there's – they really, I think, have the duty almost to say to, to go as, as best they can to figure out what the cause was, and instead of trying instead of trying to deny that something changed. Right, something and changed. do
0: you feel like they'll publish it?
1: <laughs> I think they should. I don't know if they will, right? But I really think they should be transparent about it.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, we will be back after this, and
1: um. I'm going to vent about Harry, the challenges in my work.
0: Harry's going to vent a little bit. Um, if you need to vent at all, you can hit us up on Twitter at stolen underscore signs or email us stolen underscore signs at com. You can find us on iTunes. You can rate and review us there. Please do so. Um, and uh, we will be back to hear about... Um, Pitching stats and struggling.
2: Yes. You see through my window pane, remind me that it's time to move my life again. November sun is felt by none, a chilling breeze has blown my thoughts to what's to come.
0: All right, welcome back, and we are going to talk a little bit about some pitching stats that um harry you've been working on can you maybe tell us what you've been up to
1: sure um so i've been working on this stuff for past week three weeks i guess basically since the season ended so two weeks i guess now and with uh kate and jeff my typical partners in in pitching crime and the idea for this this project was that we want to figure out how to qu- quite describe or quantify or rate certain attributes, qualities of pitchers. And it's, you know, the thing is pitching, it's hard. To, what's good. It's like, that's hard to say. It depends on the pitcher. So that you know, it's really hard to say this is a good fastball or this is a good curveball. Like that's a good curveball If you're also doing this, that's a good change up if you're also doing this. And it, it basically, you know, the, the upshot is it's really complicated to analyze pitching and break it down because there's many, many different ways to have success. So trying to come up with like a score for a command or a score for stuff can be very tricky um, because th- you can define those things different ways. They again you can have some things, one thing is bad for one guy but good for another. These aren't linear things. Sometimes the relationships between a stat and an attribute are U-shaped or really completely interacting with other things that you don't even can't even figure out what they are. So, it's just kind of a hard place to, to do things, but it's very rewarding and very fun because what we want to do is be able to say, ah, you know, this pitcher is good at good stuff, good command, good stamina, or is a deceptive delivery. Uh, you know, there's basically a handful or so of descriptive things so that you can understand the kind of the gestalt of a pitcher, like at a glance. And this would be something that goes on player cards or in a book and then you can also have a number that's like this guy's a command score uh, that's made up of different components and you can look at what the components are and and it's really be really cool Um, but it's extremely difficult because everything has to pass the sniff test you know so on one hand there's like this uh subjectivity to it like it can be what we want and we can make up our own weightings. We can make up our own things. And, and you know, but it's it doesn't. It has to be sane. It has to be defensible. It has to be transparent. And and. has to pass sniff tests so every time you get something that looks good it's like yeah all right this is good okay this does not like Clayton Kershaw okay none of our okay well no he's gonna be good because he's a combination of one of these okay none of these four things you know it's like okay what if we take this variable out oh now it likes him but now Chris Sale sucks okay so that's a problem so you have like this this constant iteration of you know here's an idea Test it out, see if it holds water. Yeah, see if you can come up with a way of handling it. And then usually at that point, you throw it away or put it aside and try to think what to do with it. Um, So for stuff like power, like is he a power pitcher or is he a good stuff pitcher? Like I didn't, basically, it's going to be really hard to grade stuff. It's going to be easy to grade a guy if he's a power pitcher. That's a much more objective and clear thing to do grading stuff is going to depend on things that are we want to keep these things mutually exclusive to some degree so if you want to have a stat that's about or a metric that describes how uh, deceptive a pitcher is or how much he changes speeds or how much he uses tunnels well his arm slot and his release point are a big part of that well that also determines what is good stuff for him So, you know, like a guy slinging the ball from three quarters shouldn't be throwing rising fastballs in certain, you know, for most part, they should be trying to sink the ball. So there's like this, if you have a low arm angle, you should be sink or slider. If you have a high arm angle, you should be change up fast, you know, change up curveball or fastball, excuse me, fastball, curveball. And, you know, but then again, a power slider is really important. And what's a good slider depends on your arm angle and depends on what your other pitches are. So it's really hard to hone in on things in a one size fits all for all pitchers, and that and that gets pretty tricky.
0: So, and that's that's what you you're running into as you're trying to put these together is there isn't a one size fits all, and even in some of the other um, like in some of the models that you've used for other things, it's because it's um,
1: it, see, it's, with, with like so many, so it's like framing or something. It's like you got to get strikes. Like there's like there's a ground truth of strikes right, being thrown. Right. And if you want to define what a power pitcher is, it just who cares if you just sort it by his velocity. Right. At the, okay. yeah, at the lowest if you want to get into this that. notion, of, is he a power pitcher in that his secondary pitches are also thrown hard? Yep. Uh, so he's a power slider as opposed to a soft curve, or if he has a curve, it's a spike curve. Uh, you know, and he throws high in the strike zone. He likes to try and get outs with so you just come up with what the stereotypical things are for what a power pitch are. And you can make that definition, rate guys and what they are, come up with some way to weight it, whether it's subjective or okay, let's make it what what correlates or work mixed together in a model to how it relates to strikeout rate or deserved run average, whatever. You know, so you can come up with some hook to create a weighting that's objective enough where you're not just you know taking a stack of baseball cards and and lining them up the way you like them um but the other hand if it's not much better than just a simple ranking of their velocity then whatever you're not really doing much so So that 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 so power is not too bad and if you want to make it a little more refined and descriptive that's cool stuff is really hard deception like Sometimes it's very important to have a consistent release point. Sometimes it's better to have a varying release point. So when when is it good? When is it bad? So it's like instead of trying to make it good or bad, just trying more to make it this is how he does it. Yeah. And try and separate out these things into categories without having 50 categories.
0: Yeah. And when you're doing this, are you – it's based on – is it based on the results, or is it? It's based on no. measurement. It's just based on like yeah. measuring. This is like avoiding the of results.
1: Okay, right. At the pitcher level, like at the at the at the population level, we're saying, well, what does this? Does a fastball that moves like this? Does it correlate overall with strikes? We ask questions like that to the data, but then it's really how you slice and compare the you know, and not slice so much, but mix variables. And how you model those—that that it gets really hard. But we don't want to use pitchers' results so much. Right. At the end, you want to look back and say, "Yeah, these shake out with results." Like we don't want to yeah. have guys with good command scores walking always everybody. walking lots yeah. of people. But I'm totally fine with the fact that we have a command score for a guy like Wade Miley that's really good, and his walk rates are crazy high. Last wow. year, because you know things happen. Like your stat will occasionally find like there's reasons. Like I think he gets, you know, and he gets hit harder, you know, and things like that. So he pitches like Dallas Keichel. he pitches low and away from the zone. He doesn't have that. he has very similar stuff. You know, he's a lot in a lot of ways. He's similar to Keichel, but he'll, you know, he doesn't seem to have the right, quite right approach, or he leaks into the strike zone too often, or he just got kind of unlucky. Yeah. It's hard to say. Um, so the guy just has, you know, just a crazy bad walk rate. Then you look and it's like, he's never had a walk rate that bad. So sometimes when you have a stat that says, this guy doesn't look like the stat line he put out, but you know, eight of the other guys I looked at, you know, eight out of, you know, nine out of 10 guys. Yeah. Yeah. It jives. But the one guy it doesn't, well, you know, what does that tell you? Is your stat bad or is there something interesting about that picture?
0: Right. Could be, so. could be variance based on the year. Could be, um,
1: for me it says that Miley is like a guy who's on the market for nothing right now.
0: Yeah. And he and he shouldn't
1: and which is what's exactly the, the the Orioles just let him go. Yeah. But I don't think that was I think he's worth more than that. I think there's bounce back potential I don't think he's gonna be his you know, back to his prime. I'm not saying he's gonna turn the Dallas Keuchel by any stretch. He's not as good a tunnel or, you know, he's not, he's easier to see. Yeah. Um so maybe that's why guys are laying off those same pitches and, and kicking rocks right. or yeah, forcing him sense. up into the zone where they're hitting him hard. So Keuchel is, you know, is better pitcher because he has other attributes that are better that Miley can't quite get. But I would think Miley should improve. And the fact that he's out there, so the, look, see these things I can, you know, right there. I just used a bunch of our new. Yeah, I was just going to say, is
0: is the analysis, <laughs> is that analysis, or that conclusion that you just made about i like, Miley? Happy
1: our I'm, yeah, I'm fairly comfortable with that where I am with Wade Miley right now. Like that's um, based, so I kind of, yeah, that's like, I based think on that, the work. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, because what we did with command, I think, worked.
0: What tell, What about that? Can so you we go through the we processor? Did, we ended up
1: doing, um, we, we probably had like five or six big pieces that we wanted to consider putting in. And a couple we decided just to put aside, just not do them yet. Um, and then one turned out not to work. We didn't understand why. So we t- took it away. So we ended up leaving three things in. But what we thought commit how what is command okay oh god what is command okay it's the ability to hit, <laughs> it's the ability to hit spots okay so can you hit your spot uh the ability to hit multiple spots like you can't just you, know, you need to be you can't just throw to one spot and strike zone all the time gotta have at least two um two places to go uh Oh, let's see, stay, stay out of the middle of the plate, you know, right? Work on the corners, work on the edge, work on the edges, you know? Don't come too far into the zone. Don't go too far out of the zone either, um, where hitters can just spit on everything. Um, be able to command both sides of the plate. Uh, be able to make X's on both sides of the plate and the ball on and off. What does that direction. mean? Like on. throw sinkers and cutters to one side and okay. sinkers and cutters to the other side. So okay. backdoor and, it. and forward in. So the making X's is a kind of a thing that is important uh, another one that I like is throw the same pitch back to back to different locations so like a curveball that drops in for strike two like oh you got me looking to one that looks like a strike and hits the dirt yep. that you swing at for strike three see if Verlander does that and I'm like always like that's that's command yeah like he will throw his curveball to you drop in hammer down into the dirt, back to back. That's 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 a skill. Uh, the other one is then to throw, so same pitch, two different locations. Then the other one I kind of want to look at is uh, two different pitches, back to back, to the same location. So, can, which is similar to the, the whole thing about making X's, but just forgetting about the shape and direction. Just can I do it? You know. Yep. Take like the freeze pitch. Yeah. Like, you know, like I I throw a pitch, it's just a strike the whole way and you watch it. You know <laughs> like pitches like that that, yeah. you know, i um <clears throat> I just threw you know, I threw you swung or fouled off a ball that was coming to the inside part of the plate and it tailed in. I'm gonna throw it to the same spot, but I'm not gonna tail it. I'm just gonna see if you freeze on it.
0: Right. Um, or or I'm gonna break your bat with that kind of a thing.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, it's like this kind of right. Um, you know, or just throw a fastball right on the edge, and then throw a cutter that looks the same and falls off the edge. If that's your right-hand hitter, when they suddenly make them expand the zone, so th- you know th- those are the kind of the list of things that can be considered command. And it's not a complete list. So what we ended up starting with was the ability to hit uh, the spot. We we thought is well represented, and we've thought this for quite some time. By your called strikes above average, which is your, your framing score your frameability score So it's so picture is... is frameable Your catcher doesn't like the theory is the catcher can just sit there with his eyes closed and receive the pitch. Yep He's gonna hit the target Just move your glove to the target keep your glove where it is, whatever that the target may be and He can hit it and that makes him frameable. So we're like that was that's one of the things we were like That's that's a lot of that's a big part of command It's not everything but it was like when we first started writing up command and control metrics. That was command. It's like that's that's an index that can be used to get a sense of the pitcher's command. And it it kind of jives. It's not sufficient. It's just measuring a certain it's just measuring the can you hit a spot? So the next question is can you hit multiple spots? So we decided to look at cornering ability. So it's not the ability to drive your car faster on a corner. This is the can you hit the corner of the zone? So basically we took uh, our strike zone contours that we use for framing—it's like in on on the first pitch of an at-bat, The league average is like for called strike probability is 0. 0.52, so we just run, you know just so say 0. 0.5, and then for every strike you go up, you, you your target is becomes a lower strike probability because I'm ahead, I can expand the zone. So now my right. targets now my targets 0. 0.4. So it's 01. So I'm looking for the 0. 0.4. Well, that 0. 0.4 may actually be where 0. 0.5 just was because the umpires also change the strike zone It shrinks and, and grows. But basically we figured out uh, where, where on a given, if a given count and if it's a fastball, where it's the call strike probability profiles. And then if it's an off speed pitch, any breaking or change up for this purposes of this calculation at this point. What's that? So, for example, an O2 fastball may need a 40% strike probability, but an O2 slider wants like a 20%. So, basically, it's like plus or minus 10%, you know, for balls and strikes, each ball plus, you know, each, each strike up or down. Yep. And then then knock off like 20 for uh, breaking pitch because, you know, so that, what that basically says is that on a, when there are counts where you want your breaking pitch to be a strike and there are counts where you don't, but everything is stay away from the middle. So then every single pitch that the guy throws for the appropriate targets, four corners, we measure the distance from all four corners for every single pitch. And it's given a collect, you know, so you find the minimum distance for each pitch. So you're you kind of
0: triangulating a,
1: the pitch. Is, uh, is well, that right? Well, it's more quadrangular. Qu- yeah. more than that. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> I didn't know that word. This pitch is going to have membership in each of these four targets. Right.
0: This is the distance and, from each one. Of and those we're going to
1: note like over the course of the, like how smoothly they pitch to all four corners. So mm-hmm. at the low, like, so if you're if you're 25% each, to each corner and all else being equal, that would be good command, right? You can throw to all four corners. But let's set that aside for a second. The The, the other part was uh, how far from the corner are you? What's the closest corner on each pitch? So of all the four corners, let's pick what the lowest measure was. And I don't really care which corner it was so much. As much as I care how far you were so like a good guys like seven inches from the corners and this crappier guys like 10 inches from a corner on average so your closest corner distance so what is the I think we use the median to tend to use the more useful number but it's your closest corner distance like for each pitch what is the median distance to your closest corner and that's how good you are at cornering. I'm not calling that command. I'm saying it's how good you are at cornering. Um, so then, then we looked at how good you are at spreading evenly to four corners. We also looked at if you are missing that 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 band, that corner. Excuse me. Where are you missing? So if you're missing around the perimeter. So if I'm not hitting, a, you know, if I'm missing off the corner, but I'm like right at the top center of the zone, so I'm like dead between two corners. That's actually not a great spot. Right. You know? but it may not, but if it's high enough, you know, or off just a little bit, it's okay. And it's, it, so it's like, if I follow the strike zone contour, so I may not be at the corner at 50% strike, I'm off the corner, but it's still a 60% strike or 50, you know, that's good. So, you know, that's nice. <laughs> but if I'm moving out of the zone, away from the corner. So if I miss the corner, but it's not along the contours of the strike zone, still a good pitch, still working the edges, but it's actually, I'm wild, I'm out, then we'll just start penalizing you in effect. And the penalty for going out of the zone is higher than it is for missing into the zone. So
0: Because of called strike probabilities. Because if you look at uh,
1: the relationship between called strike probabilities, yeah, it's like pitchers pitchers who tend to have a high overall, like throwing a lot of pitches in the strike zone, Are generally better because they probably have better stuff. There's a lot of selection bias in here, but then the guys who stay the hell out of the zone, but they're not as good as the guys who are on the edge. So it's like middle is better, you know. So if we're called strike probability, medium is good, high is not as good, low is worse. So the ideal is staying on the edge. If you're leaking into the middle, that's okay, but not too far. We're not going to like be happy if you're throwing right down the pipe. But if you're if you're 10 inches off into the zone. It's probably better than being 10 inches off out of the zone right. if that's your if that's your average profile for yep. a pitcher. So that's how we looked at that. Uh, so it's your cornering distance. Uh, we looked at the spread amongst the four corners and then what your C, your call strike probability deviance was from the target CS prob uh, and which direction you were missing and adjust it. Basically, I think I tacked on like a 10% penalty. Totally arbitrary out of the air, by the way, that part. Um, so it's, only, it's not that much more of a penalty. And because otherwise, you ruin the careers of guys like Dallas Keuchel and say they have shitty command. Right. Because <laughs> Dallas Keuchel never throws a strike. His called strike probabilities, like with his fastball, is like point three six. It's ridiculous. Like he's wow. just just he avoids. He doesn't throw strikes. That's why guys who wait him out.
0: Yeah, can, that makes if, sense.
1: If you really, really, really and force very defeat, disciplined. Yeah. You have to be so disciplined. If you're not, then you're he'll he'll eat you up.
0: Can you talk about the the last thing that you just mentioned? Um... Well,
1: it was an important point. The, the the four-cornering thing, the ability to spread the ball evenly around four corners, turned out not to be a sign of good pitching. Okay. All those things I just talked about, all of them are good for your walk rate. They're good for your deserved run average. And they might either do nothing or slightly help your strikeout rate and home run rate. Like These things look to be associated with good pitching. The four cornering, the evenness of your distribution to four corners, like a big net <laughs> is the wrong direction and pretty strong. Like what? Like these guys who who have all the other things about their command look good, but they go to four. But, you know, so it's like when we took that out, like everything made more sense.
0: Is that because um, it's too all over the place? Or? It might
1: be. I don't know. Or we're not, you know –
0: is the inverse true? We do,
1: I, I, I think I, I don't think we're finding something that violates the conventional wisdom here. I just don't yeah. think we found how to measure it yet. Yeah. So what we stuck with is your called strikes above average, your corner distance, your called strike, and your called strike probability, direction change basically from the ideal, and just eventually came up with the you know what we think might be the right weightings and we'll, we'll actually be really clear about what these things are when we publish them. <laughs> right because we, we should in be we want people to take this stuff and go and find a better i mean this is you know what we don't know this is what we're going to use um it's like you know th- it kind of worked like it, if i if we have this back to 2008 this is totally based on pitchfx data Okay, so if I take back to 2008 and say if you threw at least 2,000 pitches, that's basically a starting pitching, a partial starting pitching season. I mean, there are guys in this list who have 12,000 pitches, 20,000 pitches for Kyle Polish, 25 for Danny Heron. But, okay, so the the best command scoring, the guy who – so it's called strikes above average you're, 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 and you're cornering basically. Okay? Mm-hmm. How good are you at making a frameable pitch and how good are you at working to the corners in the safe part of the strike zone with that very detailed definition I just gave you guys? Yeah. But we're just going to call it those things. Number one all time, quote-unquote, all time since 2008 is Jamie Moyer. Believe it. Okay? Jamie Moyer has the best command score. Next after him, LeVon Hernandez. After him, Mar- Mariano Rivera. So he's under 5,000 pitches. Uh, the next guy is Jorge Campillo, but only 2,500 pitches. I'm not sure you know, if that really tells us anything. Uh, Mike Nucina with only 3,000 pitches. So let's just stick with the guys who have like nine, ten thousand. 10,000 pitches. Yeah. At least 5,000, let's say, okay? So at least 5,000. It's Moyer, LeVon, Mariano, just under there. Pettit, Carl Pavano, Kyle Hendricks, Zach Davies, Mark Burley, Derek Lowe, Kyle Loesch, Dallas Keichel, Danny Heron, Kevin Millwood, Tommy Maloney, Thomas Maloney, Josh Colemanter, Bartolo Colon, Jason Vargas, Roy Halliday may he rest in peace um those are guys who we score as having really really good command and the the best seasons with at least uh just 800 or more pitches so this will catch some relief pitchers and some partial starting pitching seasons the best year we have for a partial season command scores belongs to tom glavin followed by moyer kyle los burley levon some of these are like the years where the framing ranges were a lot wider yeah in baseball, so we may have to go and adjust the, the scorings in some of these things. But the guys who keep showing up are like Mariano, Moyer, Lavon. Guys you'd expect. Uh, yeah, it seems to work. And yeah. then it's like the guys with crap command are like, you know, early career Jeff Samarja. <laughs> 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 um Pedro Stroke. I was just gonna say like Pedro all, every freaking year. <laughs> um you know, like it just so let's go look at the career ones. This will really be fun. Mm, scroll, 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 scroll. Yeah, stropy so with guys like you know, Ryan Presley is the lowest command of anybody on our list. It's going up the list. It then goes go Strobe, Godley, Lidge, Vendors, Kit Wells, Adam Ottavino, Henry Rodriguez, like he's in the bottom ten. That's good. And he's also like top three in our power. So that gives me confidence that we're somewhere right. Right. So with command, I don't feel like we have any major violations. I mean, I'm looking at the bottom of this list, I'm seeing Carl Webster and Edwin Jackson. I'm you know, I'm feeling okay. Right. It's the murky middle that we call it. <laughs> I'm always like, I'm always posting like in our chats, like this is the murky middle <clears throat> guys were kind of, you know, middling like dead zero, Jerome Williams and Will Harris, Clayton Kershaw, Felix Hernandez. Now these are career numbers so Some of these guys, their numbers have gone down. Like basically it looks like your command improves through your twenties and then starts to go down. So for the most part, some guys don't quite do it that way, but it, you know, there's some weird ones in there. Yeah, you know, like where I'm not 100% like convinced, but yeah. using that definition, and I think when we start showing their ability to go back to back with pitches, like actually do a trick with your pitch, not just hit these four corners, we'll yeah. get better. Yeah. But I think this one, I think this one's going in the right direction, and it's kind of stable. So we're kind of like, you know, beyond some of the mucking around the weightings year to year, uh, doing some tuning over the last decade. You know, can't use the same weights over a decade, baseball's changed. Uh, we'll, we'll tune these in a little better and make it more useful across time. You know, me going overall here is kind of on, not quite justifiable. But it's right. pretty sane, I think. It gives, gives a good glimpse, though. I think, yeah, I think it's yeah. pretty safe to say that, you know, Mariana Rivera an absolute wizard of command yeah jamie moyer tremendous command it's like yeah well you know but and the fact that newer guys like hendrix and Davies show up yeah exactly you know, really, like okay uh, we're we're kind of on the pedro pedro has a good score god man so that that's kind of where we are command is pretty close and they'll probably come out first um for stuff i think we're going to bail on the whole idea of having a stuff grade and just go back to a power grade mm-hmm. and then um probably two things about release points, but like maybe like one, your consistency and another is like how weird your releases, like how unusual it is. Like Kershaw being straight over the top. Yeah. It's very unusual. That's That's an extreme. That's as extreme as a guy throwing submarine.
0: Right. Well, he, cause that's he kind of
1: we think about very often. Yeah. And, and you look at, uh, so we did some, you know, I never been your data, but sometimes you need to bend your data to look at it. And, uh, we, um, basically you see these strange patterns with like depending on your arm angle you know like it's like these s shapes in terms of where like the distributions are of like different metrics it's like you know it's like your whiff rate's good for like a curveball like either a lot of movement's good or very little like on break on the breaking pitch spectrum it's like you know there's a certain sweet spot of like maybe a shortcutter is good and then in between there and a good slider it's kind of not so great and then gets better you know down to curve it's like but it's curves can look like slider sliders can play like curves there's like probably there's all these so i even try things like targets so what are good combinations of movement targets so that made that didn't work you know so stuff is going to we're going to sort out i think more stuff on like arm angles and deception and funk uh, figure out where changing speed fits into those things like changing speed within pitches and changing speeds between pitches are two different things right and i almost feel like changing speeds with your fastball is more an aspect of command than yeah an aspect of deception yeah it's both but yeah so that's why it's hard to make these like you know hard to separate
0: out all of the different
1: but it's worth doing because, because like if so we many. do it it'll be cool, right? It'd be fun yeah. to publish this stuff. But also this the whole exercise of trying to do this stuff is tremendously fun. Like and, and very, very informative and enlightening and learning things about pictures like, uh, like the whole Wade Miley thing. Right. It's like I'm fascinated by Wade Miley right now. <laughs> That's <laughs> not that shouldn't be. So just like uh, but the, i, I, I I'm like, he's my bounce back pick for next year. I'm like, he's going to be a bargain. Like, he could be a bargain. He'll probably go and suck terribly. I mean, but <laughs> I'll be embarrassed by that. But uh, I think that something in these numbers tells me that he's not as bad as he looked. And I don't think that's crazy. Even if you just look just at his numbers, he's not going to walk five guys per nine again. Right. Like, that's unlikely. He's due for a bounce back. And I would say he's probably due for a decent sized bounce back. But again, these numbers are like, to go back to the point, it's like we have to pick a definition. And yeah. so, right, wrong, or different, go down that path and, and keep what see, works. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like,
0: so with, so we feel good about command, mm-hmm. um,
1: power, stamina. I feel good about, are my stamina grading?
0: What's that one based on? Just like,
1: Pitches per six-day period, pitches per game, uh, things like that. We didn't add things in, like, ability to sustain velocity late in games. But stamina, I can actually pull it up and tell you.
0: Well, that would be that'd be a cool addition, I would think.
1: Yeah, I mean, so it's, like, like basically, Verlander most probably of like, Yeah, kills. and it's not going to take into a, yeah, totally. Um, once we add an ability to sustain velocity, it sure will. It is, uh, let's see, you're you're basically okay so six day so take a moving average six day window across the entire season yeah just over and over and over again of your daily pitch pitches per game so starters end up like a 15 relievers really at like 10 or seven so that's one days of rest so that's uh, actually it's square root of your days of rest worked out better so that you know six day moving average of how many pitches you throw per day uh, your days of rest. <clears throat> Plate appearances, batter's space per game. Is that per game? Let me see. Pretty sure it's per game. But, yeah. So, like, how how many, yeah, how many batters you actually are responsible for in a given game? And those actually end up being even weights once you've already scaled them to Z scores on their own. Uh, so, basically, add them together. Really subtract, your know, days of rest. You want less. Yeah. So um, you, you, that's, so it's minus your day's of rest score. And you end up with a fairly reasonable set of numbers that, let me tell you, I can actually just quickly rerun this same report and sort it. Where you're, you're really hard working deep into the game starters get really good. So Justin Verlander, oh my God. So guys with like lots of pitches in our system order 15,000. Uh, stamina, Verlander, Shields. Yeah. King Felix, Roy Holiday, CeCe, Danny Heron, Randy Wolf, likes Randy Wolf, like Chris Carpenter, like Mike Musina, Lincecum, Cliff Lee, Max, David Price, Cole Hamill, Irving Santana, and then guys with like crappy stamina relief really pitchers. Makes sense. So, but good relief pitchers will like guys who are can really carry the load. They'll show up like in the zero, like in the middle of the pack yeah so like you're you'll have like guys who like so the scores are going to be like three to three positive the negative you know because it's we're producing standard deviations basically here not basically we are <laughs> so you know a good starter who pitches the whole season is going to be around 0.7 to 1.5 to 2 on the high end and relief pitchers will be just dipping into that 0.4 0.5 type of range i think um you gotta look at the seasonal so you definitely have this uh you know we're finding the starters and they're definitely coming out ahead of the relievers which is they should and we're also finding that the uh relievers who carry all extra load show up so okay the best stamina season cc sabathia 2008 verlander 2011 so those, those, those names sound right right and sure. then in the middle you know yeah you definitely have like
0: so, question about that. Um,
1: so, you said yeah, it, it so kind of... Re, a busy reliever could pick a 0.1, 0. 0.2. Calvin Herrera season strike 0.1. So okay. Give you an idea of what they are. So, yeah. your above average relievers do show up as above average on this scale, but they're down below the starter pitchers.
0: So, if we've got... You, you mentioned like a 3 to negative 3 kind of range. What would yeah. be... What kind of pitcher would be in the negative 3 range? Would that be like crappy like a
1: loogie or like what the lowest is like a negative one okay. um it's not totally it, distribute distribution is not super like the low the negative 2.2 2 season it's our like alex wood 2016 so guys who probably got hurt
0: yeah that makes sense.
1: and miss a lot of the year so it's less the stamina and also it, it also a workload so if michael pineda 2014 very low stamina score because he had a huge amount of days of rest between games and things like that uh he may get a little help if we, you know, fix his uh well, I should point out something very important about this in a second I will, but if we fix for like sustaining velocity. We use all your innings and pitches thrown through all professional baseball in this. So if a guy like oh, so you okay. can get a good stamina score and only have pitch five games because we know that you did well in the minors. Right. You carried you know you know how much you threw in the minor league. So like Lucas Giolito, we've like been able to already identify as you know he carried a big workload this year relative to major league pitchers, which had stamina. And you saw in the games he showed up for in the major leagues he pitched like six, seven innings each yep. time. Yep. So okay, cool. So we realized like right away that we had to include minor league data in this. Like how many pitches did you throw in the minors? Right. So it matters. It's, it's like it's like you were working in triple you weren't you weren't on vacation and that 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 made things suss out much better so command looks good Stam looks good i think we'll be able to put a power score that's good um gotta figure out like a tunneling thing and a release thing and speed changing and then a, something about your breaking pitch characteristics that grade them out beyond just being thrown hard or thrown with big break because big break isn't always better i mean i've seen some good things done with stuff scores you know yeah uh but they make assumptions which don't hold out upon further investigation. So it's like you can't say like, the more movement is better. It's like it's not true. Well, it's but kind of like the before. same
0: thing with tunneling too. Like a tighter tunnel isn't necessarily better, right? Like it it all it all depends.
1: Well, all, yeah, exactly. All of this, stuff. and it's like and like, but may, you know, maybe the reason that a guy like Kershaw can be successful with a huge amount of movement on his curveball is because he's straight over the top and that there's any angle on that thing you're going to see the hump or you're going to be able to pick it up but it's because he's straight over the top and the, the spin is exact mirror of his fastball spin and you can't tell the difference between which direction they're spinning just that they're spinning around the same axis
0: yep and some of that, the release point stuff that you're talking about Re- yeah. is going to so yeah, exactly. help. Like
1: his curveball like may be prototypical for over the top guy, but it's not the type of thing you want to try and get if you're throwing from a three quarters. You better have some second. You better have a second plane right. of moving on it. Otherwise, it's just going to float into the zone. I mean, that's the thing. It's like that shape is good for Kershaw. Do not grade other pitchers' curveballs on that shape. Right. You, the guys who throw the nastiest curveballs are throwing 85 mile an hour spike curves that move just more than a slider. Then you have the ones that, like the Jose Fernandez, he rests in peace. His and the Jose Barrios, at the Udarvish Darvish slider. Those are disgusting lateral movement pitches. You know that lateral movement is not always a good thing. So it's like, I know, how hard are you throwing it? So it's a lot of data to wade through and figure out just to understand it before you start modeling it. Right. And it's full of contradictions, full of contradictions.
0: Right. Based, based on all of these other factors. So you kind of have to try and figure out the definition of the thing you're trying to look at and then try and cut the data or get access to the right. It's so important to, to
1: start with a theory. Yeah. And everything is we start me and Kate and Jeff, like we and we talk to other people, but we're like we're the core on this. We 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 we, we bash out like basically we are going to basically say this is how baseball perspective values the following skills and defines them.
0: And that's and they're Kate, going to be as close Morrison to being just
1: conventional. Yeah. Kate Morrison and Jeff Long. Sorry. Um, it's going to be as close to conventional wisdom as possible, but they're going to be incomplete. There's going to be this or that. You're not going to like that or this thing. There might be an arbitrary weighting here or arbitrary factor there, Um, but that's okay. You know, one thing I've found over the years in like providing data to teams and they talk about using data in this way is that they're like, it's okay to have a uh, a subjective starting point of we want our guys to pitch. Let's look for pitchers who pitch like this and let's rate out guys who we think could be this, this or this. Um, And then you get better and better and better and can split out different pitching styles and start rating guys based on, he'd be good with this style, not that style. So, so forth. And that's ringing very much in my ears these days because like, you have to start with, you have to make, you have to pick something and go, and go after it's like, we know this is going to be wrong.
0: Yeah. It leads me to a question about like opinionated um, software, I guess, or, um, statistics or something like as you as you're coming up with this stuff like you have to start from a point of view and like the thesis like you're saying or the hypothesis thesis what um, we start with a theory
1: a theory there you go we start with a and then theory. we develop hypotheses based on that theory. okay yeah so and then we s- and we interpret data based on that theory that's a very important thing is that we, we try and evaluate the data in the structure that the theory creates and if the theory doesn't handle it you have to go back and adjust the theory to be able to account for that kind of data information so on one hand it's like yes you start with this theoretical point of view and you drive drive with that with the intention of going back and changing that driving structure
0: w- w- informed by data Informed in, by like data. informed by, by the
1: results of your analysis informed by informed by a, this is kind of a thorough disciplined exploration of the data.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like we're going to ask these questions and follow the answers, but not by our not, not by our nose. Like if we don't understand where something's going and we don't understand what it's telling us, we have to, we have to figure out how to accommodate that or punt. So like the four cornering thing, not working out, like we could not accommodate that in our theory so we don't know if our theory is this total trash on that point or if our measurement is the wrong measurement. Uh, we could not figure it out. So we found that it weakened our results, that it's something that we have to deal with and figure out because according to our theory, it should be important. But without it, we were able to accommodate it. But our theory, as far as we believe, has been chopped off with something and left with part of it. And that's not super comfortable. So, but geez, that's just the way these things go,
0: right? Because, and this is this is true with all of the statistics that we have. Is well, maybe not all of them, but um, is they're kind of evolving, living, breathing things.
1: Yeah. Right. So, one question about that that. I mean, that's science. Science is like, this isn't science. Okay. Like, but the kind of the scientific method is like basically, you have a theory, you develop a testable hypotheses and you test the hypothesis. I'm not saying anything like outside of like the norms of what like, we've been taught the scientific method here. Yeah. Um, but it's iterative and you're constantly dealing with ignorance. You're constantly confronting your own ignorance. So, you know, and that's good. You should be finding things you don't understand because if you're just finding stuff that you constantly understand that you're not doing anything,
0: right. You need to you ask be better questions, finding
1: stuff that's confusing you and ask and making you change how you change it, change things, but you have to process it. The st- structured way.
0: Yeah. So question. Um, so let's say DRA, because it's handy. Um, it, it has evolved over time. And, so if i see somebody has like if i see okay this year kluber had a 2.05 dra last year rick porcello had a 3.09 dra those are using and correct me if i'm wrong those are using different underlying methodologies no, or no the
1: methodology is the same we change the methodology for dra we go back and recalculate it for every past year now the models and the weights and the exact way things get spat out does change year to year but that's that's part of the methodology like okay what's, yeah you know, it recognizes that the, the league changes year to year but no 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 no. if we change dra after 2016 we went back and re- republished the numbers so
0: okay so people yeah, love that yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's kind of my question is so so if if we, these are
1: living documents, people um, if we, like framing change, like there was a change to I think like five players had like a, a significant change in their framing values because th- all the data was republished from August and we re- we reprocessed it and redid it and it happened to impact like five guys. And, you know, customer notice like Brian McCann has one more win in warp or one less, whichever direction it took him. as He was like the biggest hit. Right. So he's like, what'd you guys break? It's like nothing broke. Like this is data. Based on the best information available, and I was like I'm gonna tell the customer it's going to change again too, because right. at the end of the year when we finished doing all our pitch reviews like sometime around Thanksgiving, we'll rerun the entire strike zone model and rerun all the framing model for every single day of the season and comp- you know and and that some guys may move again a little bit, but nothing substantial like we checked like we had the you know we had the we we, we actually looked and said, okay, these are the guys who changed we're comfortable yeah it's it happens. For yeah. the most part, nothing changed, and that's the way it is with this stuff. I mean, especially the ball tracking data, because we're constantly getting, we're it's we're constantly smoothing it and fixing it. Yep. Yeah. you know, and eventually we put a cap on it, but not yet.
0: Put a you know, cap on it, yet. meaning
1: it's done. Like yeah. it's not, we're not going to go back. But if we learn something new in 2020 about framing and go, we're going to go back and change. You know, I mean, it just just it's like that's this is a. Uh, this is the best of our knowledge, right? And the so, best of what we can produce at this time. So when and we I, do that, when we do that,
0: um, let's say we reran it, and Porcello's his DRA may go from three point oh nine to three point one zero or something like that's, who cares? Right, but right. that is that that could happen. I'm just yeah, like, and if if, if I look at one something 0. now
1: to two point nine one, or it could go from three oh nine to 3.3 and you know, <laughs> like things happen. Yeah. Um, but that but it shouldn't go from the variance three to four. would be,
0: like it shouldn't, if I look at it now versus I look at it in a year. And the I mean, for the first two years, it
1: was much more unsettled because it was so experimental and new, and what we're doing so. But it's much more—you know—changes to it now won't be. I don't. I can't. I don't foresee dramatic changes. Right. Yeah. It's, but,
0: but that does uh, that does happen. I think I just absolutely as I as I'm trying to understand it. Um, and I think
1: probably other people have had that question of like, why is this changing? Yeah. And it's... we don't like to change, you know, it during the season. Okay. Really we well. won't, yeah. but sometimes the underlying inputs change. Got it. Like, like with framing changing, like substantially for five players after the season ended, that's not good, but the data was republished by major league baseball. Cause the data wasn't good for that month for a bunch of parks and they fixed it. We got it and reran ran it and everything changed for a handful of guys. I mean, that's just the way it is. <laughs> you yeah. know I mean? It's, yeah. This isn't just batting average, right? This is much. So even then, my gosh, we're still figuring out how many RBIs guys had in 1924. So whatever. But yeah, it, it sucks. Like we don't like it. We we've, when we've done it in the middle of the season, made a major change. It's been like, I it's just like, that's like one of the worst things we do. Like, it's like, I hate, hate that hate it so it's like don't find anything wrong (laughs) in june (laughs) find it in november (laughs) (laughs) but no if something's broken we're gonna fix it but theory change like we come up with a new way of doing something it's gonna wait and there are things like we've done that before yep they don't hit production for a full year after we've done them.
0: makes sense Mm -hmm. i think that that's those kinds of things are when things are um, more complex and outside the grasp of, of the the normal fan or the reader of baseball prospectus or something like that, where they, they don't necessarily know how all the inputs are um, constructed right. for DRA or whatever, understanding why I think is it's, um, it's
1: really hard. And it's also, yeah. you know, so it's not just, that, you know, it's it impacts different audiences different ways. It's confusing to readers, yep. and that's bad. That's just bad. That's just, that's just not being good to our readers to change things, despite the nature of what it is. they shouldn't be major changes in the middle of the season. Um, but also for the writers that you know, and the, not just the writers here at PP, but broader. Like one of the one of the chain big changes to DRA like set off like a fury inside of the you know the Beyond the Box score. Mm-hmm. They were all like, oh no, we have like five articles coming out, and it just changed you know it's like well we're we feel bad yeah we do and like I'm like and that's i use that as like a teaching moment you know like this is why we don't like this is why we manage things to cycles the season and if we have a bug we got to fix it but no no more i have a better idea and i'm we want to do it now like right. okay this is the last time I was like, basically this will be the last time we do it you know it's like we just we just won't do that anymore yeah it's like you gotta wait till next year right. and
0: that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Live and learn. Live and learn. Um, Trying to
1: piss off your users is the basic. <laughs> tip. I think that's a a tenant somewhere um, for something. So that's what I learned this week. <laughs> <laughs> that well, pitching analysis is hard. What have you learned this week, Kendall?
0: I well, one Pitch. thing that I am starting to learn is um, the R programming language um yeah so i'm a man i'm never sure if i should call myself a programmer or not i think i'm a programmer um i can really want to be a developer yeah developer something i don't know what i am um but i know how to write some code and i'm learning how to write some more code in
1: r and um it's pretty cool i want you to help us make sure that we produce Data visualizations that don't suck.
0: Yes, that's that is the idea. That is what we're going to be shooting for, and uh, I might
1: learn something along the way, which would be pretty cool. Yeah, um, then we'll then we'll say, you know, we shouldn't have done this in R. Let's teach Python. Yeah, we'll do so it there. Then we'll uh, go. No, we shouldn't have done it in
0: Python. We'll let's do it.
1: it in something else that I haven't thought of.
0: Strawberry rhubarb
1: pie, <laughs> <laughs> or something Do like all your, something like that. But no, yeah, this is this is going to be good if you do that. So,
0: yeah, I'm working on it. I'm uh, I'm currently working my way through um, I don't know, Code Academy or something like that. Um, we'll see how that goes.
1: I don't know. It's cool. You have to re- report back next episode. That's right.
0: Um, yeah. So that's that's kind of what I'm what I've been learning. Um, yeah. All so good. I, yeah,
1: well, probably this work that I'm doing and the work that you just you're learning are going to converge.
0: I think that's the idea. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, yeah. So I mean, we're... my
1: motivation was like, oh, geez, I don't want to have to do this. Yeah, so like, Kendall, Kendall, can, can you? It. Kendall, it would be really great if you learned. <laughs> it be so good for your own professional development and and whole, uh, enlightenment, it says here. And uh, really if you could it. do that by November 27th. And...
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you pick up <laughs> yeah. these specific and These five portions. things,
1: and yeah. uh, maybe you might want to use these as a... Uh, targets for your learning <laughs> but yeah, you know, these things will come together because a lot of what I was talking about with all this pitching stuff is we, vi- visualizing is going to be so important yeah and um, we, we need to have standards at Baseball Perspectives for how we want to visualize information and that since ours become very popular it seems sense that we get this under control before it starts <laughs> getting out of control
0: or more out of control.
1: More out of control. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yep. So um, that's what I've been up to. Um, and we will be back next time. Um, thanks for joining us again. Yeah. Uh, stolen Signs. Uh, hit us up on Twitter, stolen underscore signs. And the email, stolen underscore signs at com. Um, if there are any questions that you guys have, let us know and, uh, rate and review us on iTunes and, um, we will, uh, we're, we're firmly in hot stove season, which is pretty yeah. fun. So I think probably, uh, there's going to be some, Yeah,
1: well, this will be our off season. We'll keep talking about the research we're doing, talk yeah. about the off season, try to get some, uh, some guests. We keep promising to do that, but.
0: Yeah, but if there are any guests so, that you yeah. that you want to hear from, um, let us Suggest. know. Yeah. And
1: uh, it's off season so they're easier to book.
0: Right. We'll try and get to, get some folks on and uh chat them up about baseball and stats. But until then, goodbye
2: baseball. Um,